Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1 and just going through verse 16. It's one story here. We're splitting it into kind of two different readings, but we're just going to cover all of this story today. And of course, this story plays right off of the end of chapter 19, where we were last time. Now, last time, if you remember, coming off of, well, I guess two weeks ago, we were talking about the rich young ruler as part of it. Um, and, and this this man who had so much stuff, and he can't, comes to Jesus and he says, hey, I, I want to get to heaven on top of this. And Jesus says, well, you can get to heaven instead of this, riches that you have. And the man doesn't want to hear that, and so he backs away. And Jesus uses that experience to do what we talked about last week, which is related to the disciples. Hey, it's hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. You need to be willing to give that up. You need to be, well, thinking of yourself as a Christian, not as a rich person. You need to be thinking of yourself as someone that God's blessed to have riches, not as someone who has money. Oh, and also God's pretty good too, right? And so, and so don't think of yourself like that, um, but think about yourself in, in this Christ-centered way, in this God-centered way. And of course, Peter answering back to that. Peter listen. Uh, Peter listening so well, he says, "Hey, we've put everything away. We've left everything behind. What do we get out of it?" And Jesus says, "Yeah, no, you'll you'll absolutely get stuff out of it. You'll get so much." But remember, in the last verse of chapter 19, 19 verse thirty, many who are first will be last, and the last first. And from there, let's look at chapter 20, because this first story very much plays into that verse and explaining what that verse really, really means. So let's pick up in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. Well, what do we have here? We have a parable, like those ones in chapter 13, uh, that same kind of phraseology, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a blank. Well, this is the parable of the landowner and what the landowner is going to do. Um, the landowner who goes out early, who goes out into his vineyard, that's apparently the land that he owns, and he decides to hire people to work in his vineyard. And so he goes out into the marketplace early in the day. I'm assuming this is like mm, 6 in the morning, right? 6 a.m. Uh, he goes out early and he hires these guys. And while he's there, he agrees on pay for them. Of course, that's how you would presumably do it. If you're going to work, well, you got to be paid for it. That makes pretty good sense to me. And so, hey, yes, I'll give you uh, one day's worth of wages for the one day's worth of work that you're going to do. And they agree to that, and everything is just jolly good. Now, of course, 
later on in the day, about three hours later, he comes out again, the ninth, or sorry, not the ninth hour, nine o'clock in the morning or the third hour. And this vineyard uh, owner, he goes out and he finds people standing in the marketplace looking for work. And he says, okay, uh, y'all want to work for me? I'll, I'll pay you something. It's not a full day's worth of work. You're only going to work like nine hours instead of like 12, but I'll pay you something. And they say, sure. And they go and work in his vineyard. And of course, he goes out at noon, and then at three o'clock, or the sixth hour and ninth hour, respectively, he goes out then, and he finds other workers, and he goes and calls them in as well. But then he goes out at the eleventh hour. Out of a 12-hour workday, he goes out 11 hours in, or 5 p.m., and there he sees a group of people who are just standing around with nothing to do. And he says, wait, have you not worked today? And they said, no, nobody would hire us. And he says, okay, fine. You come work for me. Do a little bit of work right now, one hour, and I'll pay you something, right? And it is better than not doing anything at all. And so those people come out, and they get to work in his vineyard for the last hour of the day. Now, let's pick up reading in chapter 20, in verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired, about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner, These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. And he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours, and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous? Because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first last. And so these guys, they've worked, these these men who were hired at the beginning of the day have worked for 12 hours. These men who were hired at the 11th hour, they've worked for one hour. But we're going to pay them in reverse order. We're going to pay them the the one-hour workers first, and then the 11-hour workers later. Okay, and so they start handing out pay, and the people who worked one hour get paid like they worked 12 hours, right? They get paid like they worked a whole day. So obviously the people who actually worked a whole day, well, they'll get paid more, right? That makes sense. That, that makes logical human sense. Of course, if you, if you get full pay for partial work, if you do full work, you'll get way more except it doesn't work like that and they get paid according to what they agreed to and according to what they were promised they get a full day's wage for a full day's work and they of course do the natural human thing and complain about it and say wait this isn't fair and the landowner says i i don't care it's not your business right if i want to pay them this way i'm gonna do it and it's not your money and, and get your paws off it, because it's not a you problem. Take what you agreed to, and go, and that's enough. If I want to, I can, I can handle my money this way. And it's not 
your business. Are you jealous because I'm good to other people? Because I'm trying to help other people? Are you jealous because I am generous towards them? Just take what you have and go. And Jesus ends the story off with with a, a swapping of the phrase from 19 verse 30. The last will be first and the first last, reversing it from many who are first will be last and the last first. Right, And so something about this story is meant to convey what that sentiment means. It's supposed to clarify what this sentence, uh, what, this, what this phrase is and what it means. Kingdom of Heaven is like a landowner who went out and hired people. Well, how does this parable explain this phrase? Well, the kingdom is like a landowner. It is like, and I think the interpretation is pretty clear on this one, it's God. The kingdom is like its king. The kingdom is like God, who went out to hire people to work for him. And so he goes He, he goes and he meets some people who are willing to sign on first hour, first day, immediately, and he hires them. He takes them, and then he takes these other people as well later, but he still takes them and he still agrees to pay them something or other. And he takes and takes and takes all the way throughout the day. Even up until the very end of it, he's still accepting people. You see a picture of God's grace here. You see his mercy towards others, uh, towards people who really don't deserve it. I mean, you stand around in the market for 11 hours and then you expect anything? Well, no. But God is nice and he's going to give it to these people anyway he gives them the opportunity and anyone who comes and works they get paid exactly the same amount they get paid like they worked the whole day now did they no most of them didn't but they get paid like they did because god is gracious like that and of course the people who came in first are a little bit stuck up and a, and a little bit obnoxious, understandably so, right, from a human perspective. This makes total sense. They're against this idea because they've worked for so much longer. They've put forth so much effort. They've dedicated themselves to God's work. Why should these people who are coming in late get the full benefits? Because they haven't worked like I have. They haven't done the things that I have. They haven't converted the people that I have. They haven't lived for God since they were like uh, uh, 10 or 20, right? They're, they're jumping on board at like 60 or 70. Okay, I got 50 years on them. Am I not going to get paid that much more? Well, no, because that's not how the kingdom works. You know what kind of viewpoint that is? It's a very pharisaical kind of viewpoint. It's a very pharisaical thing to do to be so high up with God, right? To work in the temple and to be, uh, to be a leader of the Jews and a rabbi in the synagogue, and you're going to get so much glory for that. Well, yeah, physically. But spiritually, you're not going to get it. Because that's not how the kingdom works. It's not about what you do. It's not about all the cool things that you get done. It's not about how much you give up for God, even. It's about, did you work for him or did you not? And if you did, whatever quality or quantity it is, if you worked for God as you were best able to, for the amount of time that you were able to, okay. And that's accepted. But if you didn't work for God, it doesn't really matter. 
where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. If you didn't work for him, that's that's on you. And so don't question God when he helps other people. Don't question God when he gives to other people and when he is generous. That's not our place. That's not their place. And that's not ours either. Think about how this relates to the previous story. Because Peter's question in 1927 like, hey, we've we've left everything and followed you. What will there be for us? You know, that's a fair question. We gave up everything physically. Are we going to get anything back? Well, yes. And Jesus' answer is yes. But also, the fact that he then immediately goes on to say, it doesn't really matter that you gave everything up at the beginning of the day because ultimately everybody gets paid at the end of it. Does that not indicate something about Peter's attitude, maybe? about how Peter is looking for something a little bit better than everybody else is going to get. A little bit better than all of those later converts are going to be. Hey, I'm an apostle. I deserve a little bit more than what everybody else is going to get. I deserve a a little bit of a higher position in heaven than what everybody else is going to get. I deserve that kind of treatment. Well, no. No, he doesn't. Because that's not how the kingdom of heaven works. It's about God. It's about Jesus. But it's not about you. And it's not about even the work you do. So work for God as you're able. And be content with the pay that you're given. It's going to be the same as every other one of God's workers. And that's okay. Whether you did more or less than they did, we'll all be paid and given the same. Now, there's not really a typical, I guess, uh, application section like I typically do, but let's look at a couple of verses and just kind of see the big points and, and some, some danger zones maybe, some things we need to think about. Look at verse 12. These last men put in one hour, right? This is a claim of these guys who have worked the full day. These last men have put in one hour, And you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. Look, we put in so much effort. We put in so much work. We've dedicated since the beginning of the day. We've done so much for you. Look at all the grapes we've harvested, I guess. I don't really know what you do in a vineyard. Um, Look at how much we've given. Don't we deserve more? And God answers in verse 15, Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine. Are you jealous because I'm generous? (laughs) Really? Really? Are you going to question me and and how God uses his resources? Are you going to question who God lets into his kingdom? Are you going to question the salvation that he offers to everybody? You want what's fair? Okay, I'll give you what's fair. Stay in the marketplace. Because you know what fairness is? And here's here's the issue, is that we say, hey, we've worked different amounts. We've worked more than these other people, so we deserve more reward. And when God says no, we'll get agitated about that. And we'll say, wow, that's not fair. Do you know what is fair? Well, it's not their vineyard in the first place. And so what's fair is that they don't work in the vineyard, that they have no access to it, and therefore aren't paid anything for that day. And slowly and surely, 
they're going to starve to death because they've got no right to be in this vineyard. Slowly but surely, they're going to lose everything that they have because you know what's fair? What's fair is that they don't get anything. But instead, God is willing to let people work for him. God is willing to bring people into his vineyard. God is willing to take people in with him. Why are they complaining about what God does? Now, of course, I mean, from a human perspective, this very much makes sense. We complain because it looks like there's a problem. But do we have a right to complain? When God uses what he has to do things that he wants to do, do we have a right to complain about that? When we take the money that we have, right, and we use it to buy the things that we want, do we permit other people to complain that we bought something for ourselves? Do we permit other people to tell us, no, you can't buy food to eat and stay alive? Well, no, we don't. Do we, uh, do we rebuke other people for buying uh, books or, or games or music or whatever it is? Do we rebuke other people for doing that? Because, you know, that's, that's not very good of you to allocate your stuff like that. Well, no, we don't. Because it's their money and they can use it how they want to. Look, it's the same thing for salvation. God can give it wherever he wants to, and to whomever he wants to. And it's not our job to dictate who that goes to. Now, God's put some rules. I believe God's put some rules down, and he says, hey, the, there's a type of person you need to be. Hey, you do need to be baptized. Hey, you do need to follow these rules or these orders or, or these kind of laws. But you know what? If God wants to save... I'm not going to get in his way because ultimately he decides how it's apportioned and I don't because it's not mine. And so, hey, I'm not going to question that. And I'm not, I'm not going to question that. If he wants to save members of other denominations, okay, that's fine. I'm not in charge of that and I'm not going to be mad about it. If he wants to say, save people who came to him in old age as opposed to me who's come to him at a younger age okay i'm okay with that because i'm not in charge of it but y'all let's not be these closed-minded people who either want to exclude other people from being saved who want to have this exclusive mindset that well you have to follow god exactly in this way uh or you have to follow god from exactly this point in your life that's just not true necessarily god's gonna do what he wants to do but we also can't be the people who say wow i'm glad that that person was saved but i better get more than he does right two fallacies two ways that this could be taken which i don't really think are good ideas are we looking for different rewards because we've worked longer than somebody else has or we've stuck to the bible more strictly than somebody else has well don't think about it like that because that's not what the kingdom of heaven's about but instead what we do is we take the bible and we give it to people as honestly as we can and we display it to them and if they have if they have a good heart they'll take it 
and they'll accept it. And you know, maybe that doesn't look exactly like I want it to. Maybe I don't agree with everybody and every single thing, and that's okay. Because God's able to save whom he wants to save. He's able to give salvation to whomever he wants to give salvation to. And it's my job to preach it as best I can. And it's my job to be content with having a reward, and such a great reward, and letting other people have it too. Because ultimately, I'm not in charge of who the reward goes to, but I am in charge of my own obedience to it, and I am in charge of doing the work that's been given. And so look, am I one of the first hired on? Well, yeah, in a sense, I am. And that doesn't make me better off than anybody else, but it gives me a whole lot more responsibility. And so I'll take that, and let's take it from where we are, and let's use that for something that's worthwhile. That's the message of the last will be first and the first last. More responsibility, no more reward, but be content with it because that's what God's given. Hope that that's helpful to you in seeing how that story kind of plays back into Matthew chapter 19. Now, I realize that even as I was saying it, um, this it, it's kind of complicated. <laughs> and so there's... Um, there are a couple different ways that this can apply, and I think I talked about uh, a couple different ones of them, and I may well have said something that was confusing or that I just wasn't clear. Uh, if there's something like that, please let me know, and I'll just I'll talk about it at, at some other point. I'll make an episode, or I'll just talk to you about it. Um, I'd be glad to do that and to clarify some things that I was saying, if that's necessary. So just let me know, um, and I'll be glad to put that out there. Just send me an email or something, and that'll work well enough. So thanks for listening. I hope that's at least given you something to think about, um, something to consider. What do we do with what God's given, and what should our attitude be towards the people God's given to? Because those people are not just the other people that we're evangelizing to, but it also applies to us. And so we've got to deal with them well, and we've got to deal with them, the outsiders, in a way that's loving, just like we would want God to deal with us. And maybe that's the better, maybe that's a good overall explanation to kind of get at the ideas I was going for. So hopefully that's something good to think about and to consider, at least to see how it works out and to think through it um, and see what you can gain from that. Hope that that's helpful. Hope you've enjoyed. And I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.